Welcome to Friendly Chapel Church. Let's all stand together, and we want to open up with a, a prayer today. Uh, I'm changing up the way we're doing praying in, in, our, in our services. Uh, we're we're going to keep praying. We're not, we're not changing that. But the first prayer we're going to be offering is a recognition of God's presence among us. Because that's the first that's the first place we need to start. This service is not about us. It's not about what we want or don't want, what we like or what we don't like. This service is about Him. So first of all, we want to acknowledge His presence among us. And then we're going to break into song, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for being in the midst of us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for abiding in us. For we are the tabernacles of the living God. So, Father, Lord, as we begin this worship service this day, Lord, we acknowledge that you are in the house. We acknowledge that you are in the midst. We acknowledge that you are the great and the almighty God. We worship you. We praise you. We adore you. We honor you because of who you are and all that you do. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us uh, to bring us here. And, Lord, giving us this beautiful day, Lord, that we can worship you in. And now may the peace of God rest upon this service today and all that is done for your glory, your honor, and your praise in the name of Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the great and almighty God. Amen and amen. Amen.
sanctuary, those that are joining us uh, via Facebook or however platform you use to join us, we're delighted to have you here. Those that are visiting with us, we're delighted to have you in the house of the Lord, and we're delighted to have the Lord Jesus Christ, the King in our midst today, amen? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Uh, just a few housekeeping things to get out of the way. Uh, Valentine's Banquet, that is February the 10th, that's on a Saturday evening. Uh, and there's the information about that. Uh, Cece was telling me this morning uh, that uh, we've got a sign-up sheet, a sheet, not sheet, uh, sheet and the uh, friendship station uh, for you to sign up uh, if you uh, want to attend. Uh, and she needs uh, to know by next Sunday at the end of the service because uh, Sunday afternoon she has to let the caterer know the number. Uh, so please uh, remember that. Sign up. Uh, if you've not, uh, to join us. Uh, also, uh, the uh, Cynthia Schoenfeld, our treasurer, she, if you uh, want a copy of your 2023 uh, contribution report, uh, she will be glad to give that to you. There is also a sign-up or a sheet there where you can put your name, and uh, she will. Uh, and if you want one, uh, we'll, uh, she'll get that sheet, and then she'll make sure you get your contribution report uh, for 2023. Uh, we, we don't typically just run off one for everyone. A lot of people don't want them, don't use them, and so for just for those who want them. Also, let's remember our revival that is coming up soon and very soon. Now, this is uh, coming quickly. Uh, we're doing a lot of planning and preparation and praying uh, for this revival. Uh, so please remember this, that'll be March the 1st through the 2nd. It's going to be a weekend of us seeking God's face. And uh, that is what this revival, that's the theme of the revival, is seeking after God. And so we're going to spend a whole weekend just seeking after him and looking what God is going to do in our midst. So please, let's, uh, let's remember that and continue to be praying uh, for our revival and also our evangelist, Jay Boyd, uh, who will be joining us. Uh, for, for that revival. Uh, now, that's all the announcements that we have today. Uh, again, there's, uh, uh, there's different things that are working toward the revival. We have a, a, a team that are working on different aspects of the revival. One of the most, well, it's all important, but one that's up on the priority list is our prayer team. And Christy Lipskin is uh, heading that up. And I know she's uh, gathering people to pray because we want to pray before the revival. We want to pray during the revival, we want to be praying after revival and, uh, or after that service uh, that, uh, that we have. Uh, so she's going to be heading that up. Uh, so with that, uh, let's, uh, let's continue on with our, our worship service. And the words from the word that I have selected for us today, uh, I'm going to go ahead and I, I shouldn't do this, I, I, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I've I got, I got to warn you, the message today is not an easy message. It, it, is, it is very sober and, and a somber message, uh, but it's something that needs to be heard, and it's something that needs to be declared, and it falls right in line with what we're doing in the book of uh, Hebrews, and it's the, next, it's the next section. And the scriptures that I've chosen to share with you plays into what we're going to be looking at, which is the danger of neglect. 
Uh, that, is, that is the title of the message today, The Danger of Neglect. But I've chosen a passage out of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 8, verses 11 through 20. And I'd, let me just give you a little context of this so you'll understand what's being said. The children of Israel have, have, have wandered in the wilderness for uh, about uh, 40 years now. It's about time they finally got to that point they can go into the promised land. And so uh, here Moses, and, and, and the Lord speaking through Moses, is giving him words to speak to, the, to that generation to prepare them for their entrance into the land of Canaan that God had promised unto them. And it, it starts with, with that word, beware. That, that's, that's how it starts, beware. And when God says beware, uh, you better pay some attention to it. And notice what, what is said to this generation. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might uh, test you to do, uh, to, 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 uh, to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the, you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to you, to your fathers, as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroyed before you. So you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Now that's somber stuff. But it's things we need to hear in this generation that we're living in today. We're going to stand with us, if you will, and we're going to sing a couple more songs. These are not quite as somber as the scriptures are. Uh, but so these are more, a little more uplifting, but they're going to be old songs we're going to do. When I say old songs, your songs been around a long time. Somebody, a, wise, a wise person told me one time, this was a worship leader, he told me one time, and, 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 and I have always remembered that. You know, in the church, there's a lot of, a lot of worship wars that go on, which is a shame, in my opinion. We, we're about, uh, uh, should you sing out of the hymn book, off the wall, uh, old hymns, contemporary, and everybody's got their opinion about what you ought to do, and what's right and what's wrong. Well, this wise person told me, he said, if you sing a song today, I don't care if it's a song that was written 200 years ago, if it was a song that was written two days ago, if you're singing it today, it's contemporary. Because you're singing it today. So the songs we're singing today are contemporary. 
even though they were written a long time ago and been sung them many, many times. Are you washed in the blood? Yeah, there you go. That's a good one. That's a good one.
According to the word of God, God inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. So when we praise him, he inhabits, he dwells among us, he walks with us. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The next prayer we're going to pray today is a prayer over the message. Okay? Because I think it's important. Because the word of God is important. We need to be prepared to hear God's word and to listen to God's word and know what God's word has to say for us. I'm going to do a little prayer. Now, you're going to think this is totally out of order, but it's not. We're going to pray for this prayer as we would pray over a meal. It's a prayer I learned as a child. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. By his hands we are fed. Thank you, Lord, for this daily bread. Amen. See, you never thought about praying that over, over the word, right? That's what, that's what it is. It's the word of God. It's our food that nurtures us and feeds us. Okay, we're going to continue on uh, with, uh, with, with this series in, in the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 2 now. And we're going to look at the first four verses 
of chapter 2. Now, we're going, to have, we're going to have additional prayer at the end of the service. We'll pray for needs, so don't, don't, don't say, hey, you need to pray for anybody who's sick today. No, we're going to do that at the end of the service. But let's look at uh, Acts, uh, or Acts, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we neglect or escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles, the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Okay? So... When we, when we when we look at this passage of scripture, uh, you have to understand that this is a warning, and this is what the he, author of Hebrews does from time to time, all along the way as we uh, progress through this, as we go through this, he is going to be giving warnings and instruction, and uh, and 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 inspiration as well as this as well. But some of these some of these passages present to us some of the greatest challenges, but it also, also presents to us some of the greatest inspiration we can have as well. Now, as in, my, in my study for this particular sermon, I, I, I was quite amused because people have so many varied opinions about this particular passage of Scripture. Now, the ironic thing is nobody disagrees about the meaning. Every, everybody that you read after almost all say the same thing, and they all come to the same conclusion what these four verses mean. Here's, here's where the rub comes. Here's, here's where, where it becomes a little bit, bit humorous to me, is who was the intended target of this? Now, we know it was the Hebrew church, but who in the church was this targeted to? There are those who, uh, who, who come from a Calvinistic persuasion, and I'm not knocking Calvinism, I'm not knocking uh, that, but those who come from a Calvinistic persuasion who believes that there is no such thing as once you've been saved that you will ever lose your salvation. And so those who come from that persuasion are saying he is writing to the unbelieving element in this Hebraic church. So he's writing to sinners that are on the verge, that are, that are teetering between accepting Jesus Christ or not accepting him and, and so, therefore, uh, he's hoping that this will push them over the edge, if you will, and they'll accept Jesus Christ. But then there's another camp on the very, very opposite end of that, that no, he is not writing to, uh, to, to unbelievers, but he is writing to believers. Now, I, I, I'm going to have to go ahead and tell you, I fall more into this camp, uh, even though I'm going to add a little caveat to it, I fall more into this camp. Because you've got to understand the whole context of the book. You have to understand the overarching uh, 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 purpose in this book. The author is writing to a group of Christians who are teetering in their faith, who are wondering, is it worth going on? Is it worth facing more persecution? Is it worth going through all the hassle of serving Jesus Christ? Or would it be better, let's just go back to what we've always done? So from that premise, when I understand the overall purpose, 
it seems a little difficult for me to, to, to grab hold of that he's just writing the unbelieving element within this church. No, I'm going I'm to I'm add this caveat to it. I think he's writing to both. I think he's writing to those who believe, and he's also writing to those who don't believe. And the, and the whole premise here is that you need to be careful what you do with this gift of salvation that has been given to you through Jesus Christ your Lord. So we, there is a danger in neglecting this salvation. And so, so when we look at that, I think we can say it was really written to both of them. Now, I want to, I want to share with you, I, I've, I've been using John MacArthur, Dr. John MacArthur, uh, in his commentary uh, in some of this, and he makes a remark that I think is, that, that just drives the point home to me of how important it is to nurture this, this gift of salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. He starts off this, like this. Hell is undoubtedly full of people who were never actively opposed to Jesus Christ, but who simply neglected the gospel. Such people are in view in these four verses. They know the truth and even believe the truth in the sense that they acknowledge its truthfulness and its rightness. They are well aware of the good news of salvation provided in Jesus Christ, but are not willing to commit their lives to Him. So they drift past the call of God into eternal damnation. Whew. Boy, that's dark, isn't it? It's dark, but there's truth here. Now, there is a real danger, as I've already said, in neglect. For neglect always leads to destruction. Taking that natural analogy. You can take a brand new house. Never been lived in. No one ever move into it. No one ever live in it. Nobody ever keep it up. Nobody ever cut the grass. Nobody ever cut the hedges. Nobody ever do anything to it. And within a few years, it will be totally overgrown, overtaken, and collapse. Why? Neglect. Just sheer neglect. And the same thing can happen to us spiritually if we neglect this gift, or if those that have not accepted Jesus Christ neglect the offer of this gift that has been given unto them. So let's, let's begin to dissect these four verses just for a moment. We're going to start off with the character of God. Now look at verse 1 again, just for emphasis sake. Therefore we must give the most, most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. Now I know the first thing you're going to be thinking here, what, what does that say about the character of Jesus Christ? Well, in and of itself it says absolutely nothing about Jesus' character. But there's an important little word here. Notice the very first word, therefore. That word therefore tells us we need to go back and look at verse 1 or chapter 1 again. And we've discovered those over the last couple of weeks of what this has to do with the character of God. To, to discover the connection, again, look at that word therefore. Now, 
So what does chapter 1 have to do with what he's saying here about neglect in chapter 2? Now, it's been established that Jesus is greater than the prophets. He's greater than the angels. We also discovered that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the heir of God. He is the creator of the whole world. He is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his divine nature. He's the sustainer of the universe, the purifier from sin, and the one who sits at the right hand of the majesty of, uh, uh, on high. So when you look at that, we serve a wonderful Savior. Amen? And so, so, when you, so, so why? So here's the question. If we serve such a wonderful Savior... Why in the world would anyone not want to receive it? See, I, I, I don't understand that. If, if you know the Jesus I know, if, you've, if you discover the Jesus I know, why would you not want to accept him as your Savior? That just blows my mind. And then on top of that, if you do know him, why in the world would you ever want to forsake him? Why would you ever want to quit? Why would you ever want to throw up your hands and say, it's not worth it, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to serve the Lord anymore? I can't find, I'm like the Apostle Paul. You remember when Jesus, after defeating the, uh, the 5,000, and, uh, and, and so many left him in that, in, that, in that scene, and he turns to his disciples and said, will you also leave me? And, and, and Peter, Peter spoke up and he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, you have come to believe, we have come to believe that, and know that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, that, that's, what I, that, that's my stand. I want to be like Peter in that. Lord, where can we go? Where can I turn to? What else can I go to that will give me any more than what you will give to me? Do any more for me than what you will do for me? Nurture me any more than you will nurture me? Love me any more than you will love me? Where else can I go? Now, in this passage, what the author is doing, he is using, using shifting and nautical terms to describe this, this drifting away. When you look at that phrase there, give the more earnest heed. It, that, that word literally means to moor a ship, to tie it up. That's what moor a ship is. I, I'm not, I'm not on, on a boat, so I don't know all about it. You know, tie it up. If, what if you do if you don't tie a ship up? It will just... Just float away. It will be carried by the tide, by the winds, by the current. It will just drift and literally can drift into the open sea. The word he uses the word drift into and to and to slip. And this is the exact picture that is being given here in this passage is as a as a, as, a, as a boat or a ship hasn't been properly moored, hasn't been anchored in the harbor, and then the next thing you know, it's just a drift out there. So this is, this is what he's talking about uh, in this passage of Scripture. So you may ask a question. You, if, you, if you don't, I'm going to ask it for you. Uh, what are some things that would cause us in our spiritual lives 
to drift like this. Because drifting can be very easy. So I've jotted down 15 things. Now, I'm not going to preach about these 15 things. They're just, I, I'm just going li- I've listed them. There's 15 things that, that, that I've taken note of that can cause people to drift away from this safety in Jesus Christ. Materialism and easy living. Look, ain't nothing, prosperity will, can, can cause you to do this. Busyness. Procrastination. Lack of commitment, prayerlessness, difficult times and persecution, friendships. Mm. Friends can cause you to drift away. Family can cause you to drift away. Work can cause you to drift away. Recreational activities, when playing is more important than worship. Church action, yes, absolutely. Even getting so busy in the church. You know, one of the easiest, easiest places to backslide is right here in this pew. I'll explain that to you later, maybe. School, a lack of reading and studying the Bible, the pursuit of happiness and pleasure. And then I, the, the last one is just a routine, mundane Life itself, as we call it now, life. Just doing life. All of these things can can add to us just drifting away from the Lord. As Karen Carpenter, and I'm dating myself, as Karen Carpenter once sung, we've only just begun. Because there's a whole lot more that could be said, but I want to end it right there. Now, the real message here is that it takes a lot of hard work to keep you anchored and secure in Jesus Christ. And if we let our guards down, we become careless in our lives, and so we can easily drift out again into that open sea. Another quote from John MacArthur, he said, drifting is so quiet, so easy, but so damning. All you need to do to go to hell is to do nothing. All you need to do to go to hell is to do nothing. It is extremely difficult to understand how anyone who has ever seen the character of Jesus Christ can ever reject him or even forsake him. And I say amen to Dr. MacArthur's statement. Now, that brings us to the second reason that that we need to be careful not to neglect this, this gift of salvation. The first, again, is we've already looked at the character of Jesus Christ. The second is the certainty of judgment. Now, I know, I know a lot of people don't like, don't like to listen to this stuff. They don't like to hear about judgment. But, folks, we, we, better, we better perk our ears up. Before I read this, I, I, need to t- I just need to tell you something. Now, I, I know we've just ended our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So today we break the fast. However you've been fasting, if you haven't been eating sweets, now you can get you a a good piece of cake after the service. Or you may have already had one before the service. Whatever, whatever you were fasting. But during this time of fasting, and the Spirit of God speaking to me, sometimes just audibly, sometimes through His Word, 
And even this morning, when I took up in the upper room, and I took my Bible, and I came to a passage of Scripture out of Ezekiel, almost everything the Lord has pointed to me is judgment. And the only thing I can conclude here is there's a judgment coming, and we know that to be true. Judgment, and I believe judgment is at our door. That there's going to be, we know, if you believe the book of Revelation, if you believe that Revelation is, is, is God's book, that is a book of judgment. It's a judgment against the nation of Israel, but it's also a judgment that involves the whole wide world. I believe the coming, we're right on the cusp, right on the, on the prefaces of the judgment of God being levied on this whole world. So now is not the time to neglect but now is the time to embrace with a fervency like we've never embraced our relationship with Jesus Christ. Look, look again what the author said in verses 2 and 3. For if the spoken word through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first begun to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Now, now, again, the author is appealing to the superiority of Jesus Christ because, again, if you, just remind you that, again, he talks about how Jesus is better. He's better than everything. He's better than the law that was delivered unto Moses through God and ministered by the angels, according to the Scriptures, that the angels were instrumental in bringing the law from God unto Moses. And that law that was given to the nation of Israel, it was a law that God honored. God told them what they were to do and what they were not to do. If they lied, if they cheated, if they stole, if they committed adultery, if they uh, made uh, images of them for themselves uh, in the likeness of a God, whatever they did, God told them what the punishment would be for that, what the judgment would be for that. In every case, it was a judgment of death upon them. Now, that was the Old Testament. And if God took seriously what was delivered through the angels unto the people, when Jesus Christ came in and he brought a whole new law with him, he brought a whole new covenant with him, a covenant we call the covenant of grace, which people are, are, are to me, are they're, they're, just, they're, just, they're, just, they're just grounding that covenant in the dust as far as I'm concerned because a lot of people are claiming that God's grace, I can do anything I want to do because God's grace is going to cover it. Let me tell you, God's grace will keep us, God's grace will help us, God's grace will be with us, but you cannot snub the grace of God. There is a time that it will run out. We over-spiritualize the love of God as far as I'm concerned. Now, God is love, don't, don't get me wrong, but God loves us enough, He's not going to let us stay where we are. He's going to do something different. And so in this passage of Scripture, there's two words I want you to pay attention to. The word transgression, and that word transgression 
means to step across the line as a willful act. It is an overt sin of commission, of intentionally doing something we know to be wrong. That's what that word transgression in the Hebrew means. It is willful disobedience. It's just like, I don't know if you've ever done this with your children or not. Have you ever drawn a line and told your child, if you step over that line, there's going to be consequences. If you go beyond this boundary, there's going to be consequences. So what, you, what have you done? You've drawn the parameter. You said, do not, here's the line, do not go across that line. And what do most children do? They're going to try you. They're going to see what you're made of. So you got the line drawn. Now, there, there, there's a few obedient children. Few. Very few. But most every child, they're going to come up to the line. Right? And if they're really disobedient children, they ain't going to stop at it. They're just going to plow right on through it. But some will get up to the line, and they're going to look around. If I do this, what are you going to do about it? Then you say... There's the line. Don't do it. But if they do it anyway, what do you do? You do what you said you're going to do, right? If you don't do what you say you're going to do, what's happened between you and that child? You've lied to them. They have no respect for your authority as a parent, as a grandparent, as a caregiver, and they think they can keep on doing it. But the same thing works with us and our Father. He has set the parameters. He has given us the law. And if we transgress that law, there are consequences to our actions. That's what transgressions are all about. Then there is the word disobedient. Now, the word disobedient, the word carries the idea of imperfect hearing. Now, that's not talking about a hearing defect. Right, okay. I'm talking about hearing defect. That's not about somebody's born deaf or can't hear good. But this is the idea of an imperfect hearing. In other words, you know what the commands are. You know what the right thing is. You just refuse not to listen to it. Oh, I didn't hear that. You know, we call it selective hearing. So, when you put these two together, one is, there's a difference. Transgressions are, 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 are active. Disobediences are passive. But even though they're different in their scope, they all bring you to the same thing. And that is destruction. When you go against God's law, God's word, God's truth, then you're going against God. Now, 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 now when, when, you, when you look at this, 
And I, I, made, a, I made a statement a statement earlier about hell. I want you to understand something. I don't, I don't relish in preaching this kind of stuff. I just assume not preach this kind of stuff. But there's one thing I think we need to understand that we've lost in our culture. We have lost the idea of a literal hell. Hell is a real place. Jesus taught us about hell. He demonstrated, he, he, he told us what hell is. And let's, let me remind you of what's in the Gospels about what Jesus said about hell. In the Gospel of Matthew, it is called a place of eternal fire. In the Gospel of Mark, it's where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. In the book of Revelation, it's called the lake of fire which burns with brimstone, a bottomless pit or an abyss. And in the book of Jude, it is referred to as outer darkness where there is continual weeping and the gnashing of teeth and bright or black darkness. So hell is a real place. We're doing our children injustice by not telling them about... I'm not talking about trying to scare them to death. I'm not talking about... I'm always talking about damnation and condemnation. I'm talking about talking honestly with our children coming up. That's just as real as heaven is. And just as much as we believe that heaven is a place, we've got to believe that hell is a place. And we've got to, and we've got to prepare people and teach people as we've already said, the surest, the surest way to ever get to hell is to do absolutely nothing. There are people who sit in churches Sunday after Sunday. They hear sermons preached Sunday after Sunday. They hear songs that are sung Sunday after Sunday. They, 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 they hear the truth being proclaimed, but they never do nothing about that. It doesn't change their life. It doesn't change their world. It doesn't change their existence. It doesn't change their relationship with God. But yet at the end of the way, when they die, they wanted a preacher to get up and tell them that they're going to heaven. Let this preacher can't do that. Because everybody's not going to heaven. There are people sitting in churches that are going to die and go to hell because they have done nothing. They've neglected what has been given unto them. Now, let, let, me, let me get to the last reason why we must be careful not to collect the gift of salvation. And that is the confirmation of God. Now, let's, let's go back again to, to chapter, th verse 3 again in verse 4. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. It's, it's, an, it's important to note in this passage of Scripture that, that, there's, that we have more than the judgment of God as a motivation to accepting and living continually for Him. Now, judgment is not the only thing. 
That's not the only motivation. You see, God confirms His Word to us. And He confirms His Word through signs and wonders and miracles and blessings. It's the goodness of God that will lead us to repentance. Now you say, well, well, isn't just having the Word of God, isn't that enough? We don't need signs and wonders to accompany miracles to accompany them. There's people who, who teach and preach even today that, that signs and wonders were just for that first generation. We don't need signs and wonders today. I'm going to submit to you, we need signs and wonders now. Every once in a while, I know the Word, the Word's sufficient within itself, but every once in a while, just every once in a while, we need a confirmation of the Word. We need to confirm that the one preaching it is really genuine and a true disciple of Jesus Christ. We need the confirmation that God is hearing our prayers. We need a confirmation of faith. And sometimes we just need that supernatural touch of heaven. As I told this Bible study group of Wednesday night, that a miracle is when the divine and the human touch one another. It's when we touch the very hem of God's garment. When we touch the very presence of God. Let me tell you, that's when the miracle really begins to take place. And we have seen miracles in this place. You've seen miracles in this place. You've seen God work. You've seen God move. And let me tell you, I believe that God's going to keep on moving and we need to see more of the miraculous power of God, especially in this day of counterfeits. We live in an age of counterfeits. We in the age where the gods of the ancient world are coming back and going into our society and usurping the authority of God. And even they are trying to perform miracles. But we need the real, genuine work of the almighty God. Not manipulated, not manufactured, not pumped up, not, not done in any other way, but the power of God being manifest in our midst. And I'm just foolish enough to believe that he wants to do that. For you see, when we have the miraculous happen among us, when that supernatural begins to happen among us, then it demonstrates that the message is true and genuine. If you go back to go back to the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter 4, chapter 5, somewhere there, chapter 4, where, where Peter and John had been arrested. They were released from, from prison, told not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. They went back to the house where the church was meeting, reporting to them all that happened, and they began to pray. And in their prayer, what they prayed for is, God, give us the boldness to preach your word and confirm that word with signs and wonders. You see, I believe the word ought to come first, then the signs and wonders. Some people want to skip the word and just have the signs and wonders. No, you got to have the word. And then out of the word, the signs and the wonders will come. So, let, let, let me just close with this. I don't know if you ever remember an author by the name of Orson Welles. Back a long time ago, long time ago. And he, he, he broadcast 
this, this fictitious story about aliens invading the world. Well, as that broadcast was going on, there was a, a student at Campbell College that we know as Campbell University had turned on the radio midway in, uh, in, in the broadcast and didn't realize he was hearing a fictitious report. And when the announcer vividly described fire falling from the earth, the student recalled some sermons from his boyhood years ago, and, and, or some years ago, and he concluded that the end of the world had come. He grabbed his telephone, and he called home and said, Mama, Mama, have you got the radio on? The fire has fallen, the end of the world is coming, and I'm not ready to meet God. Well, the next morning, he was the object of jokes and ridicule and mockery around campus. But in the chapel service that day, a Bible-believing teacher took the podium and said, I understand that one of the boys got a little ribbing because he got scared listening to the radio program last night. Now listen to this now. The young men and women, what if it had truly been the end of the world? Would you have been ready? We better all ask ourselves that question. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Jesus made a promise. If I understand what Jesus, who Jesus is, Jesus does never renege on his promises. Jesus does not promise. He promises good, he'll do good. If he promises judgment, he'll, he'll give judgment. Whatever he says, he will do. And he made a promise. He promised his disciples. He promised them on, on at least two occasions, more than that, but two occasions, one right before his death. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare for your place, and if I go, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then the promise was reiterated about 40 days later. He gathered his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And as he was speaking to them and giving them final instruction, Jesus ascended in a cloud. And they saw him going up in this cloud back into the heaven to his father's, his rightful place. And the two angels that attended that event, the men, they were just, wow. Oh. You men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing? For the same Jesus you have been seen taken away this day, you will see come again in all of his glory. Hallelujah! <laughs> Jesus is coming back. But let me tell you who he's coming back for. He's coming back for those that love him, that have been washed in the blood, those that are following him, those that are looking for his appearing. That's who he's coming back for.
don't toy with what God's given you. Don't mess with this gift of salvation. And don't stop now. Just don't do it. Amen? <laughs> Amen. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm, maybe somebody else will hear it. Don't neglect this thing called salvation. If you're a believer or an unbeliever, don't neglect what has been offered to all of us. We stand. Pray, pray, sing, make, make your way on up. I'm going to let you stand with me right now. We're going to have a time of intercessory prayer. But before we do, uh, we're going to sing a song. You can all stand with us if you don't mind. It's a, <clears throat> it's a little chorus. It's based on Psalms. As the deer, as the deer pants for the water's brook, so my soul longeth for you. And that's what we all need. Now, as we're singing this, we're going to, uh, I've, I've been neglectful, let me remind, we're going to take up our missions offering too at this, at this time. Uh, our missions offering uh, today is going to be going uh, to uh, our, our revival. Our revival is coming up. I consider that a missions. You say, well, you know, that, that's, that's, that, that's not a, yes it is. This revival, we're, I'm looking at this as a mission. Seeing God move, God work, God reviving, people getting saved, people being delivered. This is a mission. That's what I see in it. So, uh, and, and these things cost money. And so I'm going to ask you as you give, this is going to be going, and it's going to be going toward to defray some of the cost of our upcoming uh, revival that we have, that we've got planned. So as we sing, you can come and you can give your missions offering. But also, don't, don't go back to your seat. Just stay up here in the altar. Because once we finish, then we're going to pray, do some praying uh, for our revival. And also we're going to be praying for others that need a touch of God's grace. Amen? Amen. As the deer pants. <laughs>
pray about is I want us to, I'm going to come and lay my hands on this little church in symbolism of praying for our revival, praying that God is going to supply every need that we have, praying that God is going to fill this place up, that God's going to hear our prayers. I still, I still hang on to Jeremiah 33.3. Call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Amen. So we're going to pray for this revival. And I want you to, I want you to come up. Come up with me. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be shy to pray. It's okay to pray out loud. I know that's, that's uncomfortable for some folks. It's not for me. Y'all figured that out, hadn't you? Don't have, no, I don't have to tell you that. I'll give you another news flash sometime, something you don't know about me. But it's okay to pray. It's okay to lift your voice yeah. up to God. So let's, let's pray. Let's pray over this revival. Oh, Father in heaven, Lord, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of an almighty God. Father, Lord, we are believing, we are trusting in you, Lord Jesus, for this revival that, God, we are planning. But, Lord Jesus, we are believing this is ordained of you. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. We are believing that, God, this revival is ordained by you. That this revival, oh God, is the right time, it's the right person, it's the right circumstance Lord Jesus, Lord, this church needs a reviving. God, we need a renewing. We need a stirring. God, we need a refreshing. Oh, Lord Jesus, yes. Lord, we need, we need to be stirred up in our spirits and that, God, that we will see the mighty hand of the almighty God, Lord, working and moving. Lord, build up faith in us. Help us to take that mustard seed of faith and, Lord Jesus, to believe based upon that little itty bitty insignificant grain that God that you will multiply it into great and mighty things God draw people here Lord by your spirit draw people here help us to fill this sanctuary up not for the sake of gloating and boasting and bragging about what the Lord is doing here but God for your honor your praise and your glory save save souls among us this week Save people, Lord Jesus. Bring people, Lord, to know you. Put us in the pathway of those that God that need to be saved. And we, Lord, will take that opportunity and, Lord, share our faith with them and see the hand of God move in their lives. Revive us, O oh Lord. Revive us, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, and amen, amen, amen. I got to get on my perch. Because uh, y'all are taller than I am. Keith, I don't want to embarrass you, son, but I, I, I want to pray for you. Amen. It's okay, I ain't going to do nothing weird or wacky with you. Okay? I promise. I, 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 I promise, I promise. Keith is discovering what many of us discover in our lives when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ. The enemy does everything he can to come against you. He, 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 don't, he don't want us to do this thing. 
and so Keith is feeling that. He's feeling probably for the first time in your life you, you felt the war. It's a conflict that goes on. And sometimes it's hard. It's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to stay the course. Sometimes I feel like just, I'd be better off like I was and going through this. But don't ever believe that lie, brother. You're better off with Jesus Christ than you are with anything else. Amen. That's exactly right. That, mm, ooh. That's right. Mm, I hope you were listening today. <laughs> so, Keith said something that, that just blessed my heart to me this morning. I was talking to him. I told him, I said, we love you. And he said, we love you too. I love you too. You feel like family. That's exactly what we want to be. We want to be a family. We labor together. We work together. We stand together. Amen. The family gather around Keith if you don't mind. We're going to do any weird or wacky, I promise. <laughs> We're just going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for Keith Beasley. Lord Jesus, Lord, he, he took a courageous and bold step of saying he needed, he needed you. He recognizes that. He knows that. And Lord Jesus, with that, Lord, comes a lot of things. A lot of good things, but Lord, then there's other things where the enemy, Lord, tries to come and tries to, to try to tear and rip us apart. But I'm praying, Lord, for Keith Beasley. I'm praying for stability. I'm praying for strength. I'm praying, Lord Jesus, Lord, when he goes back into his home, Lord, the enemy's, Lord, working there in his home. But my God, I pray that, God, that you will, Lord, suppress those powers and, Lord Jesus, deliver, Lord, by your strength and your might and your grace and your mercy, and he'll find a whole new set of friends, Lord, and whole another fa family that will stand by his side and and love him for who he is and what he is. And Lord, what he will become in Jesus Christ our Lord. So Lord Jesus, anoint him, bless him, cover him with the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your miraculous power and your healing grace. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to anoint Paula this morning. This is for Christy. Maxwell's husband's family, and that's about as far as I can go with it. There's just things that needs to be prayed for, and uh, so we're just going to believe that God's going to intervene in this situation, and God is going to touch. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'd, as Lord as we anoint Paula, Lord today, Lord for this uh, for this family, for the Maxwell family, God, and Lord all that is going on, all that is happening, all that is transpiring, oh God. Lord Jesus, Lord, just not working them, but God also, also moving them, my God. Help them to see, Lord, their need. I pray that you will bring uh, uh, Matt back here. I pray to God that you will stir it in his heart. And Lord Jesus, deliver him, Lord, from all that, that, that oppresses him and his family, oh God. And Lord, that you will touch by your grace and by your mercy, by your power, by your love. And Lord Jesus, you will bring deliverance deliverance into this situation, and we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Hallelujah. And now I want, I want to change the prayer for somebody else, uh, for, um, for Paula Gray. Uh, Paula had surgery. Uh, she had a double mastectomy, 
and uh, for, for breast cancer. And so uh, she's doing well, as well as you can expect with that kind of surgery. But she is home. There's an outpatient. Uh, she is home. But let's, let's lift up Paula and Mark in our prayers, too, and ask God to continue to bring healing. Father, Lord, we just pray, God, Lord, for, for, for Paula Gray and, Lord, for Mark. We pray, God, that you will touch them. And, God, that you will help them and heal them and bless them and anoint them. And, Lord Jesus, Lord, bring that complete and total healing that, God, this surgery did what it was supposed to do. And, Lord, eradicate that cancer out of her body. And that, God, that she will be made whole, Lord, by your power, by your grace, and by your mercy. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen. And amen, 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 amen. Uh, is there any, I mean, I've got others we can pray for, but is, does anybody have a, a prayer need that you need to be prayed for? You know, if, if, if they're even, look, let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you something. Don't, don't, you, don't have, you don't have to confess nothing to me. You don't have to tell, but if, if you just need prayer, just if you're struggling, if you just, you know, this is what this church family's for. You're not here to struggle alone. This, 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 is not, this is not what the church family's for. You don't have to struggle alone. We can help you. We can stand with you. So if there's, if there's anyone you need, need special prayer, don't, 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 don't be inhibited. Yes, amen. All those children that, that, that are sick with cancer. Amen. Father, Lord, just touch this need. Lord, all these little children, Lord, in St. Jude's Hospital right now, God. That, Father, Lord, they're in desperate situations. And, Father, Lord, I know the medical field does a lot of things, but, God, there's things that you do that, God, the medical field cannot do. We thank you, Lord, for, for medicine. We thank you, God, for aid. We thank you for these things. But, God, bless the little children. Bless the little children, God. And, Lord, let them be whole in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Does anybody else have a, have, a, have a need you want to express? Something you want us to help you through? Yes. Amen. Amen. Let's start. Let's, let's pray for, um, I tell you what, I'm going to get, y'all hold on just a second. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and pray for Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy's been, been having some physical, physical things, so we're going to pray for Jimmy this morning. Amen. And Cynthia Schoenfeld, let's continue to pray for Cynthia as well. Anybody else have a, have a prayer in me that you want to, want to remember? Yes. Mm, Father, Lord, touch Julia. I know. I know there's a battle, God. There has been in every one of these children. I don't understand. Mm. The power of the enemy that's trying to destroy this family. Lord, I don't know who opens the door. I don't know where it comes from, but it's the power of the enemy, God. It's trying to trip them up, trying to confuse them. Father, and I pray, God, I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, over Julia, protect her mind, protect her heart, protect her soul, God. Lord, this, this is about a child, Lord, being delivered, Lord. Lord, it's not that she's not a good girl. It's not, Lord Jesus, it's not that she doesn't know you. But, Lord Jesus, there's forces that are pulling against her, Lord Jesus. 
And I pray, God, against those forces and those powers. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I know you're not deaf and I don't have to holler at the God. But we want to put the enemy on notice. There's things he just has no right or authority over. And take your filthy, grubbing hands off of our children. We're sick of it. Take your hands off of our children. In Jesus' name. Any, any, anyone else here? Father in heaven, Lord, we lift up Tammy and Parker before you right now. God, you know the sickness and the illness, Lord, they're suffering from. Mm. And we pray, God, that you will touch, Lord, their bodies, the cancer, the diabetes. Father, Lord, all of it, God, that you, Lord, you, you control everything. And Lord Jesus, we may not understand it. And God, there's power in your name. There's power in your authority. There's power in your word. So confirm your word among us. And Lord Jesus, let us hear a good report. Lord Jesus, of your deliverance and setting us free. Lord, touch, touch this couple right now. And God, give them what they need. Amen. 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 Any, any, anyone else? Anyone else? If they're not, we're going to go to the back and we're going to anoint Jimmy and pray for Jimmy. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray for you, brother. Who in God? You know. Just don't hear the great. I know. I can look up and tell you that. Um, about as well as as old as you are. Yes, sir. Well, you're working on him, but there ain't going to be no real results yet. God knows what it is. Father in heaven, Lord, we lay our hands upon Jimmy. You pray. Thank you, Father. There's a reason why he's wasting away, God. There's a reason why he feels like he feels. There's a reason why he has changed so much in the last few months. And God, doctors can't find it. Doctors don't know. Mm. But God, you know what it is. God, you know, you got, you got the key to that. And Father, Lord, I don't know. I, I'm just asking, Lord Jesus, for your divine favor, for your divine grace, for your divine mercy. And Lord Jesus, just help Jimmy right now. God, add strength to his body. Add strength to his flesh. Add strength to his mind. And God, be with him, Lord Jesus, in this moment. I know he doesn't feel good. You know he doesn't feel good. And Father, Lord, I'm just asking God that you will bring deliverance, Lord Jesus, wherever this, wherever, whatever it is, God. I don't, I don't call it a disease. I don't know what it is, Lord Jesus. You know what it is. And God, bring deliverance unto him. And Father, Lord, give him strength in Jesus Christ's name for your glory and your honor. I hold the secret. 
and I have the keys. Trust in me. Fear not. For I have got you in my hand. And there I shall keep you. Fear not. I have you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray for Cynthia. Father, Lord, I wish I had the power to take this, this, this pain out of her. But I don't have that power, but I know who does. God, I, I, I would that you just slip that disc right back in place, oh God. But Lord Jesus, there, maybe there's something else you're worried. I don't know, God. I've questioned, I've asked, Lord, why hasn't she been healed but God, I believe the healing's coming. I believe, Lord Jesus, the healing is coming. And Lord, for whatever reason, whatever you're doing, my God, Lord Jesus, let it be for your glory, your honor, your praise, your authority. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who reigns forever. Jesus, touch my friend. Please touch my friend, Lord. And bless her with your strength. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, amen, and amen, yes, amen, amen, yes, we do, Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, go with us now, Lord, bless us, Lord, by your power and by your strength. Bless us in your authority. Father, I just get already had a blessing in mind. My daughter come through the same surgery and Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Paul was asking about that situation. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, we just give thanks for what you've done. We give thanks, Lord, for letting her come through this brain surgery. And Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, uh, for Mr. Harold, God, I pray, God, that you will just bless him and touch him. I know his body, Lord, has pain as well. But God, you are able, Lord. Just as you brought her, Lord, through her malady, God, you can bring him through his malady. Let the strength and the power of God be un un uh, unleashed, Lord Jesus, in him. And let his faith, oh God, Lord, drive, Lord, drive it home, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, God, for everything you've done. In Jesus Christ's name, amen, 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 amen. Lord bless you. Lord keep you. Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And let his countenance rise and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.